0: Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have.
1: What is up on a Wednesday night, Thursday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. We've got the man, Colin Brister. It is that time of year again. College baseball season is upon us. The Rebels open up their season on Friday against the Delaware. Blue Hens, all-time mascot. I don't know how good Delaware is at baseball, but they will win the mascot matchup anyway. Colin and I talked a lot about the uh, 2023 Old Miss Rebels, the rotation lineup that Mike Bianco gave uh, earlier on Wednesday. Uh, a lot of college baseball and some other stuff mixed in. So buckle up. I think you'll enjoy the show. It is that time of year again, as Colin and I will uh, talk pretty much a couple times a week about Old Miss baseball as we enter a season that is uh, just a season for the first time in quite a while. Before we get to that, though, I wanted to remind you, the podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. The world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Football season's over. If you missed out on Skybox's football picks, that's on you, because they made money. Some close friends of the pod made Quite a bit of money on some Skybox uh, Super Bowl props. But you still got a chance to profit off college basketball season. That is their algorithms, bread and butter. They absolutely rake it in at well over 60% each year on college basketball. If you're into sports wagering and you're not using Skybox, you're really just missing out. It's the only way to profit in the long run. All you have to do is go to skyboxsportspicks.com, sign up for a picks package, and try it for a day, a week, a month, whatever you want to do. I'd recommend for signing up for the all-year-long all-access pass. And boom, they'll send you picks every day in a color-coded spreadsheet, categorized by unit, and you're more equipped to profit than you were 15 minutes before you signed up. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com, use the promo code RIPPEE, R-I-P-P-E-E, that'll get you 20% off any purchase. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. If you're a Rippy Right subscriber, that's rippierights.substack.com. Get a free newsletter from me a couple times a week that's starting back up with baseball season here and discounted meets right now, 3 6-ounce filets, 6-ounce bacon wrap filets, I should say, for 20 bucks, That's about a $40 valuation you're getting for 20 bucks. Just go in, show Greg proof of subscription. He'll get you set up with the Rippy Wright special. Then go find all your own favorites. LB's is the best butcher shop in the world. He wants to make your grilling experience great. Go see Greg. There's all kinds of delicious sausages, fresh seafood. I love the filet burgers, the tri-tips. There's so many delicious things there. It is a crown jewel of Oxford. If you haven't gone by LB's, you really haven't experienced Oxford. Check them out, LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, it is that time of year again. My man, Colin Brister on the other line. Most of you listening to this, this will be on a Thursday podcast for you as we will be 24 hours out from the 2023 college baseball season. This time of the year, Always makes me happy. I enjoy college baseball, but not only that, as I've told you many times, the uh, the way this podcast has gone and the success of this podcast always kind of goes back to you and I in uh, March of 2021 when I was like, hey, we need to do this. I don't know what I can pay you. I have no idea what will, uh, if anyone will listen, but maybe let's just try this and see what happens. And then now for us to be three years in and doing it. Um, and kind of the reviews that has gotten is always uh, makes me happy. How are you, my friend? The time is upon us again.
0: Um, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I am a little disappointed in that you went um, – I timed it. You went 35 seconds into this podcast and has not – and you have not mentioned um, the dynasty that is Tennessee baseball. Um, so if you could maybe start this over and do that. I don't, I don't know how that works, but I feel like we probably need to acknowledge the dynasty that is Tennessee baseball um, and them creating the sport before we get this thing started. My God,
1: I don't know if this is a case of stealing, stealing thunder or great minds thinking of like, because I actually had this in my notes. I was going to save it toward the end of the show as we talked about um, kind of the baseball season as a whole. But actually, I had a very huge Big J question I was going to ask you towards the end. And as we honor the founding fathers that came before us and the people that made this sport possible, I think it's only important that uh, – we honor Tennessee for inventing this sport. So what I was going to ask you is, would we have a season this year without Tennessee's 2022
0: regional title? Oh, well, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, should we ignore the fact that I I turned 30 in three months and they have not won a uh, College World Series game since I was in second grade, um, eating applesauce and trying to steal people's lunch money? I, we should probably, I guess, ignore that they've gone Well, that doesn't matter. Years. They
1: invented the sport.
0: You know, They didn't say that's anything That's a good about point. That's a good point. You don't have to win if you invent the sport. Um, at least, at least Mississippi State won when you know they they claimed to have invented the sport. They actually you know have a national title in some sort of relevancy and Um, did it for like a decade. Tennessee, like thirty
1: games in, was like we're the founders.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you know like you know, I just hypothetically, do you know how um, crazy it would be if you've made yourself more hateable than the university of Vanderbilt baseball. Do you know, like that's like, if you just weren't relevant and then all of a sudden you went from not relevant to hated more than Vanderbilt, do you know how, you know, that's, that's putting in work. You know, like we talk about kids and in, in society today, not wanting to work hard. I'll give them that. They, uh, they, they work extremely hard because it, it takes a level of commitment to be hated more than Vanderbilt baseball. Um, I did see, uh by the way, that the Vanderbilt Whistler, um, Uh, faked his death or someone died with Vanderbilt baseball and people thought it was the Whistler, but it was not the Whistler. So, uh, so that also happened.
1: We've had a parody account that reported the Vandy Whistler's death. That guy like pretends to be a reporter on Twitter. It's a made up name. It's not a real guy. He tweets that out, you know, Barstool Ben Mintz Ole Miss alum kind of had his deal where he had it out with the Vandy Whistler in 2021 and so everyone, this is how the, crazy at the internet that we've gotten is like, everyone knew it was a parody account and it was kind of a joke, but it wasn't even the joke that like, is this guy actually dead? It was just, oh, he must've died, but this isn't a real report. And then it just, now we're knee deep into the internet matrix. So I don't know what the Vandy Whistler status is.
0: Um, is I that, guess- do you, do you, do you go on the injury report report if you die? Like, is is it like, you know, preacher Franklin maybe dead. I don't know how that works.
1: I don't know how that works either. I'm going to have to check some obituaries hopefully, in that part of Tennessee. Hopefully I, and I want to I go I guess on the we'll record. get a final answer eventually. I don't really I, know how that works. On your point, to- though, on a halfway serious note, if you want to talk about Tennessee's accomplishments, you mentioned the kind of aspect of being more or less hated than Vanderbilt. If you want to talk about something that's actually impressive is, like, if you enter this college baseball season, you think about what happened last year and kind of the impact Tennessee actually made, they seem to me, and you may have a different opinion – like, I'm just like demonstrably more hated than Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt has now kind of oh, become God. benign because of what Tennessee did in a couple of months. So, if you actually want to hang a banner for that in Knoxville, that's what you should focus your eyes on. Because if you talk about an actual narrative shift, that's where it is for me. Like, people much more hate Tennessee than just a bunch of preppy kids that got scholarship advantages now. Does it feel the same way to you?
0: So, it, I want to go on record. I'm glad Preacher Franklin is not dead. Um. Yes. So, it's, you know what it feels like to me? And I don't know, I don't know if like, where you went to high school, if this existed, but it, it feels like the new kid. You know, most of the time, new kids move in; they don't say very much. But it feels like this is the new kid that has moved in and tried to steal like two people's girlfriends, and maybe started a fight, and also maybe got expelled for something. Um, it just kind of feels like the new kid that showed up and started yelling and beating on lockers. Um, and you know, he has no credibility, and now that er- now everyone hates him. Um, that that's that's what Tennessee baseball feels like. Oh, you're exactly right.
1: And like to put it in another way, we mentioned <laughs> where I went to high school and the environment I grew up in. It's uh it's the new 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 money rich guy. I've made this example a couple of times, but it's uh I actually had a couple of these uh parents of guys that I was friends with in high school, one in particular where Again, I don't even mean this as an insult, but it's definitely new money, first generation money, and they want to tell you how much everything costs and how nice their house is and everything they've sure, done. Sure. And how they invented life and all of that. That's exactly what Tennessee feels like. Like that—that's the guy who's done well for himself. Congrats to them, right? He did put the talent on the field last year, but damn it, he's going to tell you exactly how he made his money and why he's revolutionizing everything in the absence of accomplishment, other than like kind of nice house.
0: Yeah. And, and people are going to be asked, like, hey, you guys are five minutes in. Why are you still crapping on Tennessee baseball? And my answer is going to simply be because I can't. Um, I, you know, I, I, I feel no remorse for uh, crapping on that that university's baseball program. Quite frankly, um, outside of, no, pretty much anything. Uh, Tennessee's, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of the balls in pretty much any sport. I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, them going to Williams Rice Stadium, and getting their face beat in.
1: Well, it's like it would be one thing, too, like as we kind of talk, I mean, we've talked about this a couple of times, like the growth of college baseball and all that. And that's a tough job. Like whatever you think about Vitello, what sure. he's been able to do at that job. Like, hey, mad props to you. We're like in a normal sense. If you told me like, hey, Tennessee's good. They'd had an Omaha trip or a super regional trip or host a regional and host a super or whatever. That's good for the league and like them generating interest. But they did it in such a demonstrably kind of disgraceful and dislikeful manner that that part of it has been kind of completely cast by the wayside. Like Tennessee being good is good for the conference. It's just sure. so ridiculously difficult to stomach.
0: And I feel like we're not the uh you know the bat flip, you know, haters of the world. And it, it's 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 we're not both on make that.
1: baseball fun,
0: but there's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Do you think the SEC office tells or somebody in there maybe told them to calm it down this year. You think that happened? I I've
1: actually thought about that. That's interesting. I mean, we're about to see, I yeah. guess. You know what I mean? That's another piece of it. Remember last year, we got to the point where they were so good, they came into Oxford and absolutely stomped all Miss for three games. You remember, we got to like late March, it was like, hey, when are they actually going to lose a game? And so it was like, <laughs> kind of somewhat, I won't say justifiable, but like, oh man, a uh, tolerated or warranted to some degree because they want at such a ridiculous level. They're going to be really good again this year, but like, yeah. you have to win at such an insane level to stomach that. And again, it's not anti fun. Can you imagine if Kermit Davis threw a practice ball off a ball rack in the general direction of a official during a game, people would have an absolute riot. They already get mad about him going on the court. Like it was so far over the line <laughs> or if Ole Miss was like captain celebration, say Ole Miss like 26 and four in basketball this year, talk about real fantasy land. But they were very chirpy and kind of demonstrative and basically five Marshall Hendersons on the court at the time. The flip side of that, too, is say Ole Miss got beat by Kentucky and had a bad night. That would be like Kermit Davis going at the press conference and bitching about how obnoxious Tennessee was. It's like, dude, really? Because remember, they did that with Auburn last year. They got mad about a bat flip when they got beat. It's like, really, you're going to complain about this.
0: Didn't he fling a bat at Auburn's dugout? Am yes, I, he did. That was that? one of okay.
1: seven weird things that happened last year. He bumped an umpire. He threw a uh, – that was actually the most ridiculous thing, in my opinion, because, look, I know he threw it and it bounced too no, 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 no. it actually got no. to the dugout. But, but you don't know where you're throwing that. What if that hits a kid?
0: No, no, no. The most ridiculous thing was uh, their center fielder, Turning around yelling, You're effing horrible at an umpire, and then being shocked when you got ejected.
1: Oh, I see. You, I keep saying, the most shocking thing. I forgot that happened because you had the, the guy rounding first and flipping people off. I forgot, about <laughs> same, the, same kid, by the way. Yes, I forgot about the whole like, uh, what do he say, you're effing terrible, and then you know, clutching pearls about him getting ejected. It's like, dude, what do you think this is? Like, that wouldn't fly in Major League Baseball. You know, they can talk about well, stuff, well, but if you looked at him um, at, at Joe West and was like, You're effing terrible. Guess what, man? You're getting tossed. Like, so, what, the, what world does that not reward
0: an ejection? You know what I mean? Like, if if an Ole Miss player turned around and yelled at an umpire, you're effing terrible, I don't think Mike would go out there after the umpire. I think he'd go out there after his kid. I'd be worried about the kid's safety. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't like his, his future with be. the program. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't think that would go well for the kid. Uh, okay. I'm, I've gotten my Tennessee hatred out. I feel like that should just be a weekly segment.
1: Yes, we just inverted the show. I had that save for the end, but we just knocked it out off the top. I feel better after doing it. We do have the old Miss Rebels, the defending national champions, taking the field on Friday against the Delaware Blue Hens. And as we record this on a Wednesday night, it was good timing because Mike Bianco announced his rotation and then announced what he thinks the lineup will be. And I guess we'll start with the rotation. I don't think there's a ton of surprises there. It is Hunter Elliott on Friday, Grayson Sonnier on Saturday, and Xavier Rivas the uh, Indianapolis University transfer on Sunday. Um, none of that I don't think was really a surprise to anyone that's kind of kept up through the fall and the inter squads and all of that. Um if I'm not mistaken though, and I don't have my note in front of me anymore, but that if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, that is two lefties in a uh, rotation yeah. which that's not happened a ton in the Mike Bianco era.
0: No, usually they don't have two lefties. So um that's right. a fun thing. <laughs> that they currently have is, is two lefties on the roster. Um, and they even have one in the bullpen in Jackson Kimbrell. And there may actually be another kid down there that's left-handed. So um, influx of lefties for the Ole Miss Rebels. Um, no, I think it's a good rotation, obviously. You know, some people do the thing with Hunter Elliott. It's like, I just leave him on Saturday. He was so good there. I you know, I think he's going to be fine. He's, he's one of the most competitive people um, I've ever seen. Um, I think he'll be a perfect fit for Friday night. And your other options for Friday night, I mean, I think they, uh, you know, mentioned that there are four starting candidates with these three and Jack Doherty. Well, if you're not going to start Hunter on Friday, well, who, who exactly are you going to start? Um, and it doesn't appear that they're wanting to put Doherty into the rotation, I assume, because they, they expect him to close games. So then you're either asking Sonia or Revis to be on your on Friday nights, guys that have never pitched in Division One baseball, which I don't think is probably a great idea. So I think it obviously, you know, again, Hunter Ellis is the best pitcher on your team. Put him on Friday night. Um, no, I like this rotation a lot. I think he gives Grayson some, some time to to get, um, you know, molded into his role. And then I think Revis, look, man, you don't – this one what gets overlooked. You don't need – and I'll be honest, I haven't watched Xavier Revis' pitch. I'd be lying if I said I have an in-depth scouting report on him. Me too. Um, so I have maybe, no idea about him, but I'm fascinated to see this weekend. Right. But I, maybe he's great, but here's what you need on Sunday i need five runs i I need five innings three runs it's It's what
1: Derek diamond couldn't do just give him a chance don't end the game in the fourth
0: inning yes five innings three runs and and we will go figure out the rest um and and if that kid can do that and supposedly he throws a ton of strikes he can locate three pitches within the zone um he will be perfect for that role um no i think it's a really good rotation um and, and I think it's a rotation. Look, it's easy to say this today on February the 15th. I think it's a rotation that has the possibility to stick throughout the entire year.
1: I'm kind of with you there with as highly talked about as uh, Sonia has been and with the kind of fall that he's had and what they've seen from him. And that that led me kind of to my next point is we've seen this a couple of times, right? Um, highly rated kid comes in and then the SEC kind of humbles him a little bit. And Gunnar Hoagland, I talked to Chase about this, I think, last week on a podcast, and they're not the same guy, and it's not the same situation. I don't mean to make it, like, pretending to be that. But that is one fascinating element is you don't know until you know. You don't know – I mean, you might not know with uh, Sonia until you get to SEC play. With Gunnar Hoagland, there were signs early in his freshman year, even in the non-conference schedule. And I can't remember that year specifically, like, how good their non-conference slate was. But it was like, uh, is this going to hold up? Like, kid's pretty fastball-reliant, doesn't really throw it out of the zone a ton – is this actually going to happen? And then, of course, it didn't work and they had to kind of revamp. It seems like, uh, Sarnia on the surface, in terms of just kind of what he is as a pitcher, is probably a little better equipped and maybe a little bit more well rounded and not just kind of prospecty than, um, than Gunnar Hoagland was at the time, right? I think his slider and his, uh, curveball maybe are a little bit more, um, I would say in play in terms of them actually being asset pitches for him and then kind of a change-up too that's not bad too. So you got a kid that's four pitches that I think they feel like is maybe a little further ahead than Hogan was as a true freshman.
0: No, I think that's definitely fair. I think he's more advanced. Um, you know, Gunner had the insane walk streak or lack of walk streak, but um, Gunner was able to, to dominate people in high school with just throwing 93 bombs. Um, I don't. I don't feel like Sonia, um probably had that. I feel like he he probably had to uh, face a little bit better competition where he's from. Um, so you know he, he's probably more college ready. Um, now Gunner and you know the two years after that. That's what you know was so sad about the COVID year. You never really got a full year of Gunner at, at, at full strength. But you could um,
1: tell before that season got canceled, it was coming. You know, what I mean, twenty twenty one Gunnar Hoagland was not as much of a surprise. Yeah, because of the limited sample size that we got in twenty twenty before the you know the world ended. He,
0: he threw a game um, in that twenty twenty season before COVID hit um, at East Carolina, where he yeah. just shut them down on the road, and it's like, oh, okay, this this kid is here. It was to the point where it was like, I think he may be the Friday guy at some point. Um, yeah, so no, I, I think Sonya is going to be the. Uh, I think he's gonna. I think he's going to be really good. And here's the thing about this rotation that just kind of hit me. They're all back again next year. Yep. So.
1: Which is um, important in a year where in theory you could lose like literally every positional guy.
0: Yeah, because, um, you know, I think Mike kind of gave away the lineup today and, you know, just off the top of my head, I would think Calvin Harris is probably a draft guy. Calarco, Chatnier, Gonzalez, certainly. Groff, certainly. McCant, certainly. Alderman, certainly. Yeah, you're, 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 probably going to lose a ton offensively now. Mike Clement's graded his job and they'll replace it. But uh, um, from that standpoint, yes, it's extremely important that those three guys have some staying power and have a chance to be your same rotation again next year, barring injury and uh, or lack of success, which I, I don't really anticipate from these three.
1: Yeah, and it's a ton more likely. And, like, I didn't anticipate us doing a 2024 preview here. But, like, if you think about it from that aspect of it, it's like, hey, if you have three established rotation guys back, the odds of finding, you know, a lineup that can hit pretty well is a lot higher than, hey, we have this beefy lineup. Can we find three awesome rotations? Sure. I and mean, you saw that last year with Ole Miss where, you know, they abandoned the concept of starting <laughs> pitching for a couple of weeks. Hey, it worked <laughs> out for them. They got a natty out of the deal. But I wouldn't say that's the norm by any stretch of the imagination. Normally the other way you have a more likelihood of figuring it out, which is important <laughs> for, you know, 2023
0: and 2024 and beyond. Speaking of importance, um, I listened to Clem. I, I, don't, I, I guess it was on Ben's podcast, and Ben asked him. I think you'll find this very important. Um, over or under three and a half sacrifice bunts for the Rebels this year, and he stated that he would be giving the signs for a sacrifice bunt under zero uh, point five times. So the, oh. uh, the Rebel. Now, now he he did uh, give the caveat that Mike can can call one if he needs to. But he did say that he would be personally giving zero of those, um, and the rebels are shifting. So I'm not really sure what to do with my hands here.
1: And we love to joke about that over we like over the last couple of years of this pod and all of that. But like it was funny last year. You know, it was kind of the second year in a row where it was like, you know, Mike is not really doing this sack bunting thing no. again. He had a situational one. Was that against LSU where it was actually kind of the I won't say no, that was in
0: 21. When that's they right. That. That's
1: right. It was 21 against LSU in that series where they almost got swept um, yeah. and they had to have a huge comeback on Sunday to not get swept. It actually ended up being an important game as down as people were on them at that point. But it was like, hey, man, you can't have it both ways. Like that was a situational thing where it kind of made sense. And it was like the great Mike Bianco juxtaposition. It's like, you're not allowed to get mad at him for that. If he hasn't done another one all year, like, yeah, our guy's yeah. doing well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, actually, I kind of want to see. The Rebels actually bunted five times this year or last year. Now, uh, Clem actually made a good point, too. He said, you know, not all sacrifice bunts are sacrifice bunts. He said sometimes, you know, maybe a guy hits a double and a guy's on second base and a guy like TJ McCants tries to lay one down for a hit and he doesn't, you know, quite beat it out. They throw him out at first, but God guy advances to third. That counts as a sacrifice bunt. Said so, not all sacrifice bunts are actually sacrifice bunts. He wanted to be very clear that the rebels don't really believe in sacrifice bunting, which I respect. Um So, uh no bunts for the rebels this year, and they're going to shift. I, I, I will tell you in all seriousness, I respect Mike's reasoning for shifting. He basically said, um "The MLB said this is bad for offense," so I was like, "You know, that'd probably be a good, pretty good idea for us." He's like, "Which it is, is hilarious." The other team's offense is good for us, so I respect that lot of thinking.
1: The last time we did a pod, I joked about that where I was like, you know, do you think Mike had ever heard of shifting until he reads his newspaper in the morning? It's like the MLB banned the shift. Oh, what's the shift? Is that a PED? Um, what, what's up in there? And then he starts reading about the shift. It's like, hey, we should actually do that. But on like, a serious note, you know, Mike's argument against shifting and it's has bad. always been, hey, you know, there's not really enough of a sample size unless you get an upperclassman and his splits are extreme. And whether you agree, disagree with that, you can at least understand the logic behind that. But I do think it's fascinating as he kind of continues to evolve that he did, uh, in a serious note, like you mentioned, his answer it really was kind of basically like, "Hey, like the MLB at the highest level said this is bad for offense. Let's do some shit that's bad for offense." You know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> I'm curious to see how that works out. Now, the first time they shift and some dude pokes one through the hole in the shift, oh, like, "Oh my god, are you kidding me?" But I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm one curious to see how it looks and how often they do it, but two, I'm very fascinated as you mentioned by his reasoning. I think it's fairly sound reasoning, and it's kind of like the classic Mike Bianco of like he's frustrating because he doesn't really think about the th- the way things like should be in the minds of like you know your kind of fan or like people that keep up with baseball. But there's never a time or rarely is a time where you're like, hey, this guy, this logic doesn't make any sense. Like, get this no, picture, yeah. you know what I mean. Like he's a different cat, but clearly it works.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. You can always, there's only been one or two situations with, with Bianco. I, I didn't get what he was doing, in all, in all seriousness. I, I couldn't think of one or two. I'm like, well, bro, what the hell? Did both um, of them
1: happen in 2021? Because those are two of our most famous podcasts. The
0: Malice yeah. Situation. The bro- <laughs> I could actually it's somewhat understand the logic of what happened today and then the Broadway thing and Startville. I'll never get ah <laughs> right, That one. That's a big moment Sorry, for the pod,
1: unfortunately.
0: Yeah, like, you can win seven national titles in a row. You're not convincing me that was the right call. Um, but no, I, I, you can always at least usually follow his logic. So, um, man, it's it's just so nice, you know, talking about this to not have to talk about, hey, what if they lose their fourth Super Regional in five years? Who cares? I don't care. If, I mean, if they lose the Super Regional, that'd suck, but it'll be okay. Be all right.
1: It will be okay. And that's what the, the, as we talked about a couple times. We've done a couple of leading shows. For the first time, certainly since you and I have been doing any iteration of this podcast all the way back to the Super Talk days, it's just a season. Like, this is really yeah. kind of new for us in that sense. I mean, look, I'm, we both followed Ole Miss baseball and covered it to some degree, like, when that was the case, which was last time was – well, we 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 had this debate last time. I mean, could you say it's 2017? Because they had the young kids, but then them not making the NCAA tournament, that tournament well, into like, oh, my God, I, I, are they I, underachieving? Like, is it, the argument is 15 or 17, Right.
0: I'm I 16 I, I
1: 16
0: just, or 17. I disagree with 17 um simply because of how 2016 ended and them going yeah. 0 and 2 in their own regional so yeah I think it's either 15 or 16. and that's a, that I mean dude that's a long time that's two presidents ago at this point which oh, is Oh, God you're telling how old I am
1: now please stop. I know you talk about the drama surrounding this program that like that's a that's a long time and now there's none of it I mean it really is a crazy place to be because it's not only there's a world where we could have gotten on this podcast, and Mike saved his job because they finally made it to Omaha last year. And then you're kind of thinking, "I right, well, what is it now? Like, how many years does he have left before the heat cranks back up?" And sure. you know, they went ahead and won the whole damn thing, and now they reached the pinnacle of the sport. And you know, now you're probably that's the best part about it is is now they they any sort of scar tissue, not only just making it oh. back to Omaha, right? Because even if like they made it to Omaha last year. And they don't make it this year. You would still have people saying, hey, two and twenty three or whatever it is. like What are we paying for here type of thing? But now that they won the entire thing, there is no scar tissue left. Whatever they went in, whatever that national championship did, it went in and obliterated any sort of scar tissue where they're almost a program starting anew. You know what I mean? What can you turn this into instead of what can you overcome?
0: And you know, that's what that's what is so interesting to me is you know, you're talking about one of the most consistent programs um from a regular season standpoint, has no postseason demons on their back now. You just get to go play. Um, and I, I I'll do it. I think they go back to Omaha this year. Now, injuries, whatever. I I think if they're healthy, I think this team goes back to the college world series. Frankly, I think this team is one of his best rosters ever. I think it's I totally agree with roster. that. So, um, I think this team is a super regional, at least, team. I think – I'll do this. I think they host a super regional in Oxford. I think they're that good. I've been wrong before. Um, I was wrong for about, you know, four months last year. But um, I I really do – I think this team is as good in the regular season as the 2018 team.
1: And like on top of that, that's kind of the next box to check. Like, can you book a trip to Omaha on your home field and kind of give the fans and all that that moment? And it's not like, a, a like, as we just talked about the lack of scar tissue, it's not one of those things where like, oh, he still hasn't done that. Like, it's not one of those things. It's just like, what other superlative can you kind of check off? But I'm with you. And then another piece of that, too, is Mike talked about in his... Uh, media day press conference which for whatever reason they had two weeks or three weeks before the season they used to have that the monday before the season i actually have a story i'll tell you about that that i may have already told on the pod but oh well later um booking mike for a dental conference uh for a company i work for now (laughs) but anyway he one of the, the more salient points i thought he made was like yeah they won the national title last year but i can't remember what the exact number was and i should have written it down with the it's a nice blend of old and new where like of course if you return nine guys from last year and two rotation guys and they're gearing up to go defend their title would that be like the optimal scenario but there can be some positives in a lack of complacency where the fact that pretty much half the roster kind of was on the team last year like yes they have a bunch of returning guys in the field you've got but you still have two new rotation guys you're gonna have some different bullpen roles like there's There's enough new for there to be a hunger there, if that makes sense. There's not any sort of complacency of, oh, we won the national title last year because enough guys left, if that makes any sense. It's a weird balance, but I think
0: it could work in their favor. No, I I certainly agree with that. Um, I don't know. It's, um, there were some guys, you know, it's funny, like they would have loved, just as an example, they would have loved if Hayden Dunhurst said, uh, hey, I'd like to be a rebel again, right?
1: Or Delusia.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but where I was going with Dunhurst is, well, what is Calvin Harris going to do? Because Calvin Harris is going to catch somewhere next year. You know what I mean? And he's um, also not
1: like, can this guy fill in and catch? This dude was an elite prospect catcher. Yeah, he came here to catch.
0: So uh, college baseball somewhat has to be cyclical, um, just just from that standpoint. Um, so no, it's it's definitely a good mix of of guys that were here. Um, experience, you know, like Shotnier and Gonzalez and Alderman and Harris um, and guys that have been through it, um, you know, and, and here's the thing that that everybody kind of glosses over, I guess, and and, and I get it, um, but when you start a lot of new guys like this, right, I will tell you I expect at some point this year they're going to hit a rough patch and not everything fro- with that team last year was rainbows and roses. I think it helps too, that they went through like, that they didn't yes. have a Tennessee run that they didn't, you know, go 52 and four, whatever they went and went and won the college world series. No, no, no. They were, The fact that it wasn't seven. a
1: 2018 situation. Remember that yeah, team flew no. close to the sun all season. There really was no adversity as you're alluding to right. but
0: continue. They're, they were seven and 14. So this year when they drop two series in a row and they get beat on a Sunday on super bulldog Weekend, and they're six and you know, whatever, seven and eight in the conference, they have guys like Shot Gonzalez, and Alderman, in here and say, Guys, it's fine. We're good. We're good. I promise. We're good. Um, it's not just that they won the national title. It's that they went through what they went through to get to the national title that I think can really, really help benefit this team.
1: And to add on to your point with the two of the guys that you mentioned, Gonzalez is much to a lesser degree, but he kind of had a tough stretch in the College World Series. And then Peyton Shanya you talk about the 2022 that guy had. I mean – someone could pull out like a knife and just cut one of his toes off. And he's like, be like, ah, I'll probably be fine. This is nothing. You know what I mean? Like it's a yeah. collective adversity thing, but you talk about the dudes on the field. Most of them have gone through some sort of personal adversity to some way. Like Kip Alderman, not really being able to hit a, you know, uh, a tennis ball with a blow paddle or whatever thing you want to use in 2021, aside from a fastball. Like there's, been, there's a lot of personal adversity with this team too, that they've overcome to where as to your point is if they hit a rough patch and when they hit a rough patch, there's for the, Resounding core that returns, there's nothing they have not seen or like is going to be foreign to them. Is how do
0: we handle this? They, those, those suckers have seen it all, exactly. Um, and they're older, man. I mean, we're talking about guys that are they're in a shot, guys in his fourth year in the program. I know 2020 got cut short, but it's his fourth year in Oxford. So, about a guy in the Alderman and, and Harris and Gonzo, that are in their third years, um, experience, man. Act. I think, it, I think it matters in baseball. They don't win the national title last year. Frankly, they don't make the NCAA postseason if they're not an older team with guys like Graham and Elko and Bench that I don't even know if they believed it or not, but they just told themselves, we're fine, we're good, we're good. A- again, um, I don't even know if they believed it. But, um, you know, they just kept plugging away, kept telling guys, hey, we're, we're going to be okay, we're going to be okay. Um, and – Somehow they were, um, you know. I I just kind of think that 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 continues and and blends over when this team finds itself. Because look, the schedule last year was not very difficult from an Eastern Division perspective. This year's hard. You're playing Florida, you're playing Vanderbilt, playing Georgia. It's good teams. Um, so you know it's uh it's it. There's gonna be some rough patches in there, and that they went through what they went through last year will certainly benefit them. Real
1: quick, before we get to the lineup, I know I texted you about this last week, but for a different reasons. So I had Sykes Orvis on the podcast last week to kind of reminisce and talk about stuff. But you talk about the catcher aspect of it. I talked about, like, I asked him about his recruiting and kind of where else he considered and all that. And then he goes, you know, I came in as a catcher. And I was like, actually, I didn't know that. But why am I surprised? Like, my God, who did not come into this program as a catcher? If I was still covering the program, I'd walk up to the manager tomorrow and be like, hey, man, did they recruit you in as a catcher? What's up? Like who, no, 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 no. who in God's name did not come in as a catcher? I would like to know. This program?
0: I would like to know how many people on that baseball team, position players wise, hell, maybe even pitchers too, did not play one of three positions in high school.
1: What catcher?
0: short center and catcher? Yes, short center and catcher. <laughs> Frankly, actually, I don't even need, I don't even need center because the shortstops go play center. Um, and ask if I'm kidding. The the kid in right field that played center field all last year came as a shortstop. Uh, so, yes, I would like to know how many people didn't play shortstop or catcher in, in high school.
1: I'm going to say minimal. I mean, obviously <laughs> pitchers excluded, but, like, like positional yeah. players, like, I, I mean, the last five years, is I don't know, like, I, I can't even – I I mean, look, if I really dove into it and think thought back to some recruiting stuff, I might could find a few. But, like, off the top of my head, I'd be like, can I find ten guys that were not – Well, go through
0: the lineup. Harris certainly caught. Leger certainly uh, played shortstop. Gonzalez, obviously. Shot and yeah, I played shortstop. Um, I don't know about Clarco, I'd probably guess no. Um, Groff certainly played Groff, may have been an outfielder. I don't know. Alderman was certainly a catcher, and McCants was certainly a shortstop. So it's unbelievable,
1: and it's certainly and <laughs> like you have some of that to some degree in every program because you know, sure, there's sure. players on the field, you know, shortstop, catch, the, yeah, but it's certainly a concerted strategy by Ole Miss, and we talked about it in the past of like. Not is it a detriment, but they don't have like real outfielders. You know what I mean. Like that last like elite outfield was kind of like Woodman and Bousefield and all that on that twenty fourteen team. And we like can that be a detriment? I guess I'm I'm not one to question Mike Bianco at this point, but it's it's definitely a concerted strategy would be
0: my point. Yeah, no, I, and I get it. Like it's you know people I mean, will we'll say and they're right. Well, no, go ask how many wide receivers in college football played quarterback. I get it. Yeah, that that's how it works. You put your most athletic players at the at the highest leverage positions, which are shortstop center field and catcher. I, I got it. Um, but it is kind of funny that they just take shortstops Like Will Golson are like, hey, uh, what position can you not play? Um uh, what's funny about Will golson is he came in as a shortstop and played every position besides shortstop and catcher when he got here. Yes,
1: um, I remember writing a story on him that last year. Because remember, that was just a dude that showed up and hit and played wherever. And, like, he was a good high school player, but he was not that highly touted of a recruit. And I was like, dude, you never left the field. And he was like, yeah, pretty much. I just go wherever. Like,
0: <laughs> I can hit. Uh, they throw a first baseman's in
1: on me. Whatever. I'm down for it. And I was like, all right, sounds good, man.
0: I'm going to go hit 320. Thanks. Um, no, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. The recruiting strategy, um, it's, it certainly worked, So, um, definitely no need to question. I did find it interesting. Maybe interesting is not the right word that McCants is out of center field. Um, you know, I guess Groff or yeah, Groff is, is that good in center field? Because I thought TJ, um, for all the struggles with the bat last year, you know, obviously he struggled in 2021 defensively. I thought he was pretty good defensively last year. Uh, I thought he was really good actually. So um, that kind of tells you what they think of Groff in center field. I'm with you. And I think you kind of saw
1: signs and kind of heard rumblings of that throughout the fall and stuff. And I I think you're dead on with that, where it it actually probably speaks to what Ethan Groff is, as opposed to TJ McCants. Like TJ McCants, not a natural center fielder. I would say in 2021, it wasn't great, but maybe out of necessity a lot of the time. Where last year, I actually thought he was a much better center fielder, as you imagine. I think people – I would say, and you would know this better as someone who coaches baseball and actually played baseball, which is uh, not me past like a sixth grade level. But like, I thought last year, even though he played a better center field, it may not have showed up aesthetically on TV because it didn't seem like he took a lot of chances for like diving catches or cutting balls off and stuff like that. He played a good center field and never let something go absolutely wreck him in the gap or get absolutely fooled and turn something into three or four bases versus two. Whereas he played a good center field last year I just it. I don't know if he was coached or trained or it's just the way he runs or whatever. It just didn't seem like he took a ton of chances. Which, if you're not a natural center fielder, that might be the way to go. Does that make any sense at all? That just what no, 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 yeah. I saw from him at center last. Sure. Year.
0: Yeah, he, he he played it cautiously. No, I I can agree with that. Um, but but it just I I think I'm more speaking to what uh what I think Ethan Groff is going to provide. He's certainly going to hit. I think he yes hit over exactly. The he he hit over four hundred, I believe, before he got hurt for Tulane last year. And I think he might be a uh dynamic center fielder. Um, you speaking about you not playing baseball kind of reminded me of your high school days. You'll you'll laugh. Your name came up at one of our basketball games. Not for me. Oh, Jesus, day. how'd that go? Uh, Robbie Falk, who we all, yeah. all <laughs> he's covering uh he was covering um, a, a basketball game of ours, And he mentioned um, your story from high school basketball about um, all the, the, parents clapping for you. Cause the anniversary, I guess, could come up and I don't know if you'd share it on Facebook or something. Late um, January,
1: bro. I don't know how, I don't have my Jersey retired, but that's a sore subject for another day.
0: <laughs> yeah. He mentioned that. He was like, asking about how you were doing. I was like, he's doing, he's doing good. He's like, yeah, I, I read that every year that comes up and laugh. So. I um, uh, What a time to
1: be alive. Where did, the, where, where did that happen at? It happened at JA. We were actually playing Pillow Academy. Okay. Um, I don't actually know if I've shared this story on the podcast, but a real quick Go ahead. is like I so I, I published that story junior college. I was working for that armchair blog that we both kind of interact with our guy, Andrew Stevens, um, who's a g- great friend of mine. But I was kind of just writing wherever I could at the time. And I'd done some like serious stuff working for the DM. And then I, before like a fraternity function, I was like, you know what? They encouraged me to do this. I'm going to drink like two beers in 45 minutes and see where this goes. And then we put it out and it goes viral whatever. But the funniest part about that piece was playing Pillow Academy. It's a small world, particularly kind of the old Miss, Mississippi community. I met like a fraternity rush party the next year with a guy that eventually became one of my friends. He went to Pillow Academy. He didn't know me at the time. And we're sitting at this rush party and I'm standing there, I guess, in the corner doing something. And he's talking to one of my buddies and I was like, wow, he's here. And guy, uh, my buddy's like, yeah, he's like. His parents let him drink. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm just surprised. like, dude, he's normal. He just wasn't very good. He was a bench rider. Like, we're 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 all good up here. Like he's just <laughs> but he literally looks at one of our friends and was like, wow, that kid's parents let him come up here and drink at a rush party. I was like, what is going on here? Like, what is happening? So the uh, <laughs> the legend lives on, I guess, for the lack of a better phrase. That's never you're never going to get live that one down. Oh, never ever, ever. Um, what a what a time to be alive. So, anyway, we did get a lineup um this uh today, as of Wednesday, as we sit here. Um, I think you saw I'm sure you saw this. I don't think there's much of a shock in any piece of this, but I'll just read through it and give you your thoughts. Alderman and left, Groff center, McCants right, Calarco at first, shot in second, Gonzalez at short, ledge at third, Harris at catcher. Is there one piece of that it shocks you? Because uh, my answer is actually probably no.
0: No, um I don't remember a more set lineup um than this besides the 2018 team that you got in trouble for reporting the obvious lineup on. <laughs> um so no, I mean this one was this one was pretty um standard. Um I don't really know how anything else could have been different. <laughs> I guess the only thing is I didn't know which corner outfield spot McCants was going to play. I figured right, but I didn't know that for a fact.
1: I actually have some inside intel on, uh, uh, not that specifically, but if you want to talk about a potential surprise, um, we have a listener who Uber drives around town. And uh, I won't say the name, actually, because I don't remember off the top of my head, but my guy out there, thank you for listening. I do remember you said. <laughs> We talked about this on our, I guess, the preview we did back in uh, January, and he was like, hey, heard you and Colin talking on the pod, blah, blah, blah. Just want to let you know, I ubered Reagan Burford and his parents, and he's pretty confident in his chances to start at third base. And I don't say that to like make fun of him or whatever, but like that is an option. I know Reagan Burford was cast aside <laughs> last year, and he was kind of an error machine but that is a talented kid that they kind of got out of Juco after a kind of a brief cup of coffee at Ole Miss that I think could potentially contribute in a major way on this team that we're not talking about. Like it's one of those things, Like His stock is not high, but he's not a bad player. Like he became like kind of a punching bag last year. So that would be my one, like, Hey, where does this go? How does, uh, how does Reagan Burford contribute to this team? Because as we've seen throughout a college baseball season, you need depth. Guys are going to get yeah. hurt. Guys are going to slump. You need depth. What does he do? That's what something I'm fascinated
0: by. Yeah, no, I I think Reagan Burford at some point this weekend starts a game. Yeah, um, I'm
1: with you. That's a great way to put it. Because Mike moves guys around the first weekend. I think yeah. he starts somewhere, probably third.
0: Yeah, I don't necessarily think they're going to have many problems with the with the Blue Hens. Is that right? That would blue, be right, blue. Delaware Blue Hens. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, um. So no, I, I think when you talk about depth, Reagan Burford is certainly a piece, and, and could obviously play his way in the starting lineup. You said that really well. Um, he became a punching bag, obviously, um, with the errors last year. I I do think they expect that kid to help Ole Miss win baseball games. Um, you know, obviously, bench takes over at third, McCants takes over in center, and and they kind of just got left out. Um. But no, I, I don't think they've given up on him at all. And, and think he'll certainly um find a role with the with the Rebels this year. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else off the bench. I would expect John Kramer to get it bats. Um and, and, and we do have to consider that Mike gave a lineup, but he did not name a DH. Um, so that that could also be a spot for Burford. Um, because from at the at the plate, he wasn't, and I could be wrong, I don't believe he was terrible at the plate. No, he wasn't um, at all. It was the
1: error machine and his uh and his offense not overcompensating that. Like, right. he didn't get to a
0: demonstrably level where you're like, yeah, hey, we'll he deal with that. had to play in the field because Kemp Alderman was going to be the DH. Yes. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I certainly expect Reagan Burford to play and get meaningful at bats for the Rebels this year. As with, you know, I expect John Kramer and um the Furnace kid. I, I'm blanking on a first name. Will Furnace. Um, yeah. Yes. Will Furnace. I, I expect all three of those guys to get meaningful at bats for Ole Miss this year.
1: I actually looked this
0: up earlier
1: uh, today as I was kind of doing the Burford thing and prepping for this pod. He only had 104 at bats last year, but he had 27 hits, eight doubles. He slugged 423 OPB. Like 322 didn't walk a ton. But that's not one of those – you know what I mean? That's not going to jump off the page, but he hit 260. That's not one of the – three home runs has some power as well. Yeah. Obviously, that's not something we're like, whoa, like why didn't this kid get more opportunities? But that's also one of those – not one of those things we are like, why is this kid getting chances to hit? You know what I mean? Like, sure. like let him get 50 games of at-bats this year. What does that actually look at the plate? And is he the DH – I don't know. I'm just pointing out that like he does have some offensive capabilities and he is a talented kid. And part of his deal was, if you remember last year, talk about the weird year last year was part of like the uh, I I don't want to make this into a bigger deal than it is. But like I would say anti Reagan Burford sentiment amongst the fan base was the fact that they were getting shoved in lockers on the Internet by Austin Anderson. He was kind of the one guy
0: that responded. You know what I mean? Yeah. You remember that piece of it where this team
1: became unlikable and he kind of became the poster child of that when they struggled?
0: yeah I I do remember that it was after the Tennessee series and yes. and Austin basically questioned their pride um and I don't think he was the only one doing it um but but obviously the most vocal it, you know that 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 that's kind of part of it for sure but you know a lot of people have maybe given up on Reagan Burford and and I'll tell you um this is something that I'm kind of somewhat passionate about from from a baseball perspective don't give up on kids early um how many examples putting, of that have we seen in the last five they're, years they're alone? They're putting a statue outside of a guy that was terrible. Say. They're putting a statue outside of him. So, um, he was pretty good. So, you know, I, I, I wouldn't give up on a kid for one bad year. I know everybody, it's instant gratification and get all that. Um, and, and certainly with the transfer portal that expedites things. But, um, I'll tell you, I will say this I, I trust this staff. And if a guy doesn't have a great year and returns, that means they believe in him, and I don't think it would be a good idea to give up on guys like that. If they can't help, I don't think they would be back. They they do a good job of of getting guys places um, other than Ole Miss if they don't think they can help their baseball team.
1: I mean, well said, one. But I mean, what Josh Mallets?
0: Uh, yes, who who was a punching bag here?
1: Yes, he was. And that was more, as we as we outlined oh, well, at the Mike. time, it became like a podcast joke and people that like had not listened regularly didn't get it, where it was like, why do you always beat up on mallets? It's like, it's not mallets, it's how Mike used mallets. It's like the poor kid was set up for failure that year. And some of it was out in necessity, but that always cracked me up. I'll give you a couple more names because I like this exercise. You talk about guys that can contribute. The one open option that's like, hey, what are they going to do here who the hell knows, is the DH spot, right? And that's not uncommon in any college baseball, no matter who, how you're, who you're returning or who you're not returning. Um, there's obviously some options. You mentioned Will Furness. That's a guy that had a very good fall and is certainly an option. Can I throw one wild card at you? Actually, a couple wild cards at you. I, I don't even know if Kramer counts as a wild card because clearly they're out the kid. Remember that kid started? Did he start one or two games at LSU last year? Do you remember this?
0: Yeah. He started one or two. I cannot recall. It was You know, Hayden Leatherwood had gotten hurt, um, and I don't think Calvin was swinging it particularly well. So, um, yeah, he certainly – well, I think actually what happened was he started on Tuesday against Southern Miss, which was a very important game, and Ole Miss does not get in the tournament if they don't win that game. That was a huge game last year. And then started on a Friday night against LSU. So um, they certainly believe in that kid.
1: We will get back to Colin Brister in a second, but we're going to take a quick break to remind you the podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is a daily nutritional supplement you take every morning that provides your body with the nutrients that you need. I'm not the best eater, not always the best about exercising, despite my best efforts. Got a busy schedule. Athletic Greens offers a all-in-one drink option that you can take every single morning that gives your body the nutrients it needs to function at maximum case. Capabilities. Again, I am a notoriously bad eater. Um, I'm trying to rectify that, but can't always do it on the go all the time. Athletic Greens provides the body, the nutrients I need every single morning. Take it pretty easy, tastes very good, and boom, you can get on with the date, gets the brain moving, gets everything adjusted. Check them out, athleticgreens.com. All right, back to Colin Brister. And you mentioned that uh Southern Miss Game. You talk about where things change for this team. Everyone points like, oh, they swept LSU. Actually, it was probably that Tuesday night where they won that tough-ass game in Hattiesburg.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Because um, that was the first Bob, time it looked different.
1: We're, remember, well, we were doing that podcast, and we are like, uh, I don't know what to make of this, but uh, something looked different about these fellas for this game. It well, was they, like,
0: we'll they, see. there they they were, they was right after they had swept Missouri, and they were pissed off. You could, you could tell they were at that point playing with kind of a pissed-off edge, um, which people had been begging for. I will tell you um, – I And I don't know if you've heard this, I think that Ole Miss knew when they got Southern Miss they were going to dominate them because of what happened on that Tuesday night. And I think they knew going to Hattiesburg that they were going to win in two games it was not going to be particularly close because of what they were able to do to uh, Southern Miss on that Tuesday night in Hattiesburg.
1: You were, you were ahead on this more so than anyone else I heard talking about it too in terms of going into that Super Regional last year. And understandably so with the way that you're gone and the amount of predictions we got wrong, I would say a little conservative in your confidence in them going to that Hattiesburg super regional winning it. But your whole point was like, uh, I don't think pitching is going to be an issue in terms of Ole Miss hitting Southern Miss type pitching. And then you look up and it was like, oh, that's exactly what happened. Ole Miss really had no problems with the best of pitching that Southern Miss could offer. And also Southern Miss could not hit anyone Ole Miss had. You were on that pretty early. So I agree with you. I think that was a kind of a foreshadowing sign Real quick, though, to get back to kind of like the potential contributors, DH, whatever you want to call it, can I throw out this kid? Might be my age at this point. How about Banks Tolly?
0: Wow, Banks Tolly. He, uh, he actually played some um, earlier in the year in the SEC play against Auburn and um, when TJ McCants got hurt. So, yeah, no, he has
1: five um, hits and 15 at bats. He didn't play like a ton. He did some pinch runner stuff. Remember, there's a couple of times like, oh, this kid has a little bit of pop. Like, yeah. Um, I don't think he struck Again, out in his career yet, or excuse me, sorry. A couple of strikeouts, a couple of walks. Like, I don't know, older guy they have kept around. So I'm certainly hey, throwing it out there. You,
0: you, you said the word they've kept him around. Um, they do that for a reason. They, they think he can help the Ole Miss rebels wins, but win baseball games. So, um, no, I expected that, that he'll have an opportunity. I don't think he's going to be a guy that they, uh, they sit over there on the bench and, um, not let play. Um, I'll ask you a question because somebody asked me this on Twitter, and, and I didn't know how to respond because I didn't have a ton of insight on this. Um, Jack Washburn is is at Texas Tech. From a talent perspective, he could have pitched on this team. Why, why do you think he left or if Ole Miss encouraged him to leave, why do you think they did it? Because I, I was thinking about that when somebody asked me about the rotation. I certainly think he could have been a viable candidate from a talent perspective in this, but, but uh, obviously wound up transferring to Texas Tech.
1: That is fascinating. And I got to just full, fully admit, I actually had no idea he was at Texas Tech. I uh, I didn't know what he was doing. Um, That is fascinating. I, I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. My initial guess, again, and this is just purely out of, I mean, call it ignorance, but just not like knowing what the situation is. Do you think it's the fact that he probably wanted to have a crack at being a weekend starter and that was probably never a possibility here? That's different. That That's different than he can't pitch on this team, right? I mean, he actually played a decently valuable role for them at certain points in the postseason last year. Yeah. Do you think it was the fact that last year it's like, hey, I kind of want to be a weekend rotation guy. This is a pretty good program. Let me go do this here. That would just be my initial guess.
0: Maybe so, but I think I would argue that he could have been a weekend yeah, I I mean he was a candidate at times last year to pitch on the weekend. Um, so oh, he definitely was, particularly early in the year. He he got yeah. his shot and
1: it didn't go well.
0: Yeah. Um, and you know if, if you remember, um, I believe it was the Saturday game against South Carolina. I believe John Gaddis got hurt, and he was the long relief guy that they brought in. Um, so I just thought that was interesting because obviously he had electric stuff, had a really good curveball or, or maybe a slider. Um. But, but had some trouble harnessing it at times. I, I just thought about that the other day. I hadn't, I hadn't actually ever heard a reason for him transferring. I'm, I'm ignorant on that. Um, but it certainly may be that that he had a better shot at Texas Tech to be a be a weekend guy. Um, certainly a, a good program there in Texas Tech. But, um, no, Ole Miss will be fine with arms. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. We always say, hey, Michael, figure out the arms. Well, I feel like at this point in time, When you look at Ole Miss's offense, the other Mike on this coaching staff is going to figure out the offense. So, it's just like, well, I guess Ole Miss is going to be good this year because that's kind of how it works.
1: Yeah, no, I I certainly agree. I mean, talk about a guy that I hate doing the not get enough credit thing, but, I mean, when's the last time – when's the last team that just couldn't hit? 17 when those kids were freshmen? When's the last team that just could not hit?
0: 17. And That's uh, six
1: years ago if you're counting at home.
0: Yeah, and they were good the year before that. Um They've had two years where they weren't really good offensively. It was 2015 and 2017, and um, since then, they've been really, really good. He's one of the best hitting coaches in the country. I'll fight over that.
1: No, I'm with you there. No qualms about that one. Uh, you The Washburn thing you just said intrigued the hell out of me. So, as a uh, uh, loyal D1 baseball prescriber and a former intern, um, I went and looked up kind of the Texas Tech season preview. He's in the mix to be their Sunday guy.
0: Okay. Well, there we go. But- um, and to so your point, and been,
1: could that not have happened here?
0: Um, kind of what I was thinking. So maybe there's more to it. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I had forgotten about that kid. That um, was a I'm quiet
1: talking. departure, to your point.
0: Yeah. So I don't feel like it was anything malicious. Um, again, don't know. Um, I will um, never so, forget
1: about Jack Washburn because we had one of the all-time message board threads uh, about him being a Packers fan. There's a certain segment of people out there who will understand this
0: joke, but um, I recall vaguely about this, but I don't think I ever read the thread.
1: I can't explain it on the podcast because one, it's so weird two, It could take an inappropriate turn and three, it just wouldn't make sense to a lot of people out there.
0: So uh, I'm going to turn
1: this into a plug. Subscribe to RebelGrub.com and go look that up.
0: It's, he was, uh, he was very sad. They, uh, they got put out of the playoffs in 2021 or something. I recall big that Packers
1: fan, big Packers. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just leave it, leave it at that. Um, mm-hmm. As we kind of uh, kind of get, get toward the end here, um, just kind of looking around college baseball and kind of Ole Miss as a whole, you talked about earlier, you think that they have a good chance to return to Omaha. I'm kind of with you on that front. Um, I had uh, Mark Etheridge on from D1 Baseball a couple of weeks ago. They started that SEC – I think they call it SEC Extra. I forget right. what it's called. But, you know, kind of a subscription within the description devoted to the SEC. Um, and simply put, uh, as we talked about it for about an hour uh, – I know we say this every year. The SEC is a real bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really sure there's a better embodiment of it as we say it every year than this year. I mean, look at the West. We haven't talked about this on air yet. Who's the worst team in the West?
0: Okay. So, uh uh we did this exercise on our podcast in January that uh apparently I sounded like I was underwater. You need I've
1: gotten on to make- onto you multiple times about swimming while you do the podcast. You sound <laughs> great today, so thank you for jumping out of the pool.
0: Um uh, but we we kind of went through it. Um, LSU is the most talented team in the West. Um, Arkansas finished fourth in the country. Ole Miss won the national title. Auburn went to Omaha. Mississippi State won the twenty twenty one national championship, and Texas A and M finished third in the country. So, um, and that's just the West. So you know, and um, Tennessee we'll going to be a we going though.
1: Alabama returns two veteran weekend guys in McNary and the other kid that are like really good.
0: Yeah, and I think Bohan does a good job, or uh, Bo, is it Bohannon? Yeah, he does a very yeah. good job. But they return, yeah.
1: like you talk about, like, hey, Alabama's gonna be better this year, blah blah blah. When you return two upperclassmen that had success in the SEC last year, starters, uh, buddy, you got a shot.
0: Ooh, uh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely, um, definitely gonna have a shot. I think they'll be back in a regional. I, th- I think the whole SEC West is going to be in a regional. Um, yeah, no, it's it's going to be a nightmare of a league. You know, and and that's what made it so hard on Ole Miss last year was there was no let up. There was no let up until Missouri showed up, and and then Missouri showed up and let them breathe a little bit. I was like, oh, actually, maybe we don't suck. Um, you know, there there was no let up last year, and and frankly, there's not much for let up this year. So you got to be ready to go every weekend. It's it, you know, people get on Mike for his cliches and and stuff, and I get it, but he's right. This league will eat you up if you let it. So, um. It's 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 the gift and it's the curse of playing in the SEC. The gift is you get in the NCAA tournament at 14 and 16. The curse is the SEC can make you 5 and 25 if you're not careful.
1: It's really unbelievable. I mean, you talk about the candidates for potentially being the worst team in the SEC. I mean, excuse me, the SEC West, not the SEC, because uh, shout out to Missouri. They got that title locked up probably in February, so great for them. But like Auburn? Is probably the most likely unit. You know, would you say Auburn, AM, or State are the three lucky candidates to be the worst team in the West? I just I don't know if I can put Alabama in that category when you return the James Kid and Grayson Hit.
0: I think is gonna be pretty good. Um I'll never doubt slosh. He's he's really good. I think and that's what's crazy is it, you said that and you're right, but like I think state's gonna be pretty good too. Um, I
1: do too, but it, you talk about like less known commodities. It's Auburn and State, I guess, if you're really bullying it down, is it not? Like in terms yeah. of just what, like what had that what, teams with the most question marks? It's those two, and yeah, athlete, I, mean, I it's, guess
0: it's certainly Mississippi State with if, from a question marks perspective. Um, uh, off topic, real quick. Um, if Chris Lamonis doesn't put the switch pitcher on the mound on opening weekend, I want him arrested. I, I want to see this. I want to see how this works. So need him to do that. Um. I want to
1: see that kid too. That's a disgrace to the sport if he doesn't put him out there.
0: Yeah, no, like, bro, we're trying to grow the game. I don't know if you heard, but uh, I need I need the switch pitcher to throw. Thanks. Um. So certainly, certainly, uh, Mississippi State has question marks. I think those question marks will be answered in a favorable fashion for the Bulldogs. Um. But but yeah, look, you don't you don't have the year they have last year and not get a ton of guys off the transfer portal and you you know guys off the transfer portal, I think they'll work out well for Mississippi State, but you certainly have to see it before you can believe it.
1: Did you see, I mentioned this with Chase last week, uh, the uh, the Bohannon quote, um, this kind of got buried in one of Aaron Fitt's fall reports where he talked about how they have experience on the mound, and then he just kind of went into, he basically just laid it on the line. I believe his exact quote was, we'll see how it stacks up against all these other SEC West clubs who went out in free agency and bought club, bought teams.
0: That, that felt like a direct shot at, at Louisiana State University.
1: I would say so myself. Uh, Yes, I would, I would agree with that line of thinking. And I love that he just laid – like college baseball, because yeah, in any other sport you're probably making sports Center. It just cracked me the hell up, but he was like, yeah. Well, he
0: basically said – "Uh, he, he took a real shot at Mississippi State last year. I can't remember what he said, or maybe it was this fall, but he took a – like really, really bad shot at Mississippi State. So my man in Tuscaloosa does not care um, what you think of him or what the media thinks of him. So um, yeah, Wait, what no, did he?
1: Oh, what did he do? I forgot. This was the fall of last year, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. All right. I'm trying to find it. Let's see. Here we go. But, I got it.
1: I got it. You look at Mississippi State winning the national championship last year. I mean, basically, if you have a heartbeat, you can get in-state tuition there. That's right. That's what it was. It was one of those deals. The, uh, not wrong. Not wrong. Okay, fair enough. But if you're going to pick the that battle, why fair. not pick the dorks at Vanderbilt? You're going to pick the state, the one of the schools that doesn't actually technically have a scholarship advantage. They just kind of use the in-state thing to their favor. I, I think yeah. you picked the wrong
0: target. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. And I want to be very clear. Good on Mississippi State for yes. doing that. Uh, that's not a shot. They they use that because frankly they're at a freaking disadvantage, um, and they it's use like it for baseball. And God bless them. I I think Ole Miss does the same thing. Um, so you know what? I I don't. State I,
1: gets more leeway because M- Ole Miss extends that to the Memphis area, and State has some deal where they can get it around Birmingham and like a generous number of miles south. And when you talk about okay, baseball good on prospects. Like it's a bigger advantage, don't you think, for state? But good on sure. them. I'm not faulting them for it.
0: Yeah. Um. No. I. I. I no. Good old. Good old Mississippi State. I would. Uh, you know. I think like freaking Louisville does something where they give like in-state tuition to like anybody in Dallas, Texas, or anybody in in these areas where really good baseball players come from. So they don't even try to hide it. I kind of respect that. Um. So no, I think he certainly uh picked the wrong target of his demise last year.
1: So as we look at the West, who do you think wins the West? Because we've had two bits LSU. of news drop actually, because you saw that uh the Taylor kid from LSU who's out with the year, I think was probably eventually going to be in their weekend rotation with the yeah. UCL thing. And then Arkansas loses Jackson Wiggins, which is a massive, massive loss because Arkansas's kind of calling card it was like, Hey, we got a couple guys back in the rotation. You know, Van Horn, kind of like Bianco, seemingly always figures the offense out. I mean, how many times have you faced an Arkansas lineup? Where you're like, holy shit, why why is this kid in the eight-hole hitting what he's hitting? type of thing. And so them losing the rotation is a big piece. Does that change anything you think about the West?
0: Um, yeah. So so obviously, um, you know, uh Jackson Wiggins goes down and the, the kid from LSU goes down. I still I don't know how LSU doesn't win the West. Um maybe I'm wrong. I, I just I, I feel like they have the talent to overcome. Pretty much anything. So, um,
1: do you mind the really fact different. that Paul Skeens is as highly rated as he is? The SEC jump because I, I feel like that is real.
0: Ninety nine to hundred is real, man. I don't. You know, that's fair. You know, I mean, uh, ninety nine to hundred is real. What I'm interested with Paul Skeens. I don't know if you know this because uh, I just found this out the other day. Did you know he catches too? I had no idea. He should have come to Ole Miss and caught under Mike. Dude, Ging. he would throw on Friday nights and catch on Saturday and Sunday. I need to know if – Oh, you're saying catching. he actually caught in games in Air Force? Oh, no, no, no. He was their catcher when he wasn't pitching. No, I did not know that. Can you look on the uh, D1 preview and see if they have him listed as catching any? Because I kind of want to know if, if my man's going to go throw on Friday nights for the Tigers and then, like, go go sleep and then show up at 1130 and get down in the stance and catch again. Because uh that would be one of the more impressive feats I've ever seen. How does that work when you're
1: trying to throw to second base? Are you not just – not your arms just not dead. How, like, how does that work? I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, I would bet I would... LSU has more reinforcements in the cupboard to catch her, but uh I guess we shall see. I had no idea. That's crazy. So you think you're big into the just like you're you're a believer that this is gonna translate.
0: Yes, yeah. I I think Paul Skeens is gonna be really, really, really good. So um like SEC pitcher of the year, good. Who wins the East? Mm, Tennessee. No, no, you know what? No floor no Ooh, okay why yeah. just a little sneaky suspicion that tennessee doesn't swing it as well as people think this year i don't know maybe i mean it's been down for a couple
1: years too but to your point they're not supposed to suck
0: no no and they uh <laughs>
1: they could they roll out a bad and find plenty of pitchers and plenty of position well, players in that state they
0: got that dude that uh southern miss rolled out in game one that threw like a 90 mile an hour slaughter yes Oh. Um, yeah, he's gonna start on Fridays for him, so that's a good start for the Gators because uh, that kid was good. What's that kid's name? Oh, he was a he was the was he the Friday or the Saturday guy? He okay. So what happened was Tanner Hall had to throw twice in the regional, So when Ole Miss played, him, they gave Tanner Hall an extra. It was day Hurston off and, Waldrop is who you're yes, talking about. Yes, was Hurston and, Waldrop, and people forget he was shoving it up Ole Miss's tail, and then he got hit in the ankle, and he no longer shoved it up Ole Miss's tail. Um, so I think that kid's really good. That's a really good starting place for Florida. They'll have other arms because they're in the state of Florida, and like you said, throw a rock and you can find somebody that throws ninety six. So, um, yeah, no, I think Florida's gonna be really good. I don't think Tennessee's gonna swing it quite as well because, quite frankly, I don't know how you do that. And I got the Gators winning these because why not? Bringing it back to Ole
1: Miss for just a second, non-conference schedule. You don't really have that marquee series that they've had in some years past. I don't think it was designed um, to be that way. But you have a Maryland club that's pretty damn good coming they in. Hosted in a regional day. last year. I was about to say that's kind of your one test, right? They don't really yeah. have. They don't. I believe. I don't believe they're ranked in any major poll. I don't think they're in D one's top twenty five, unless I missed something. But that's a club that hosted a regional last year. To be completely honest, I have no idea what they bring back. But just looking through the non conference schedule, I'll just run through it real quick. You got Delaware for three games. You have the midweek against Arkansas State, because in my mind they play Arkansas State in the midweek every week. I that's just
0: <laughs> I respect you know what I respect. Um, you know, the last year they canceled the Arkansas State game because it was gonna screw with their RPI. Yes, it was. So instead, because um, you know, because of that, they just moved the Arkansas State game up in the year because obviously when you play the game in April, it doesn't mess with your RPI. That's how oh, you be
1: wrong, it. sir. <laughs> Remember, they do the home and home. They will go to Arkansas State this year on April 18th. Oh, I see what you're saying. It used yeah. to be the second last week of the year. Now yeah. it's April. Yeah,
0: yeah, they moved it up because it, it doesn't affect your RPI in April.
1: That damn Mike Bianco, just an absolute genius. That I, To your point, though, that's probably not by accident. So, anyway, no. they go Maryland. They're actually going to play Maryland four times because you get a lot of at home in a midweek after the second week of the season. Then they go play that tournament in Minneapolis. Um I haven't looked into this. That can not be outdoors, right? They're going to have to play that somewhere inside.
0: No, they're playing that in uh got to be the uh, Vikings Stadium. Yes, that's exactly where they're playing. it. Yes, they're playing in the Vikings Stadium.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, because Target Field is now outside where the Twins Mike, is, this is not Mike's first trip to Minneapolis. It is not. They went in 07.
0: Is that yeah. right? Um, I remember Chase telling a story about Mike losing his mind on his team in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but he was cold uh no that was the twins deal i think that was inside uh i um, think he was angry with the way
1: the team played and then you know as you uh witnessed firsthand uh when you go and you're the only traveling reporter
0: mike actually loves to yell at you <laughs> I, I i'll never forget being in louisville kentucky and me asking questions and getting an answer and you asking que- the like actual better questions and mike just yelled at one you. word
1: like- <laughs> It was <laughs> Tuesday in Louisville, Kentucky. The year was 2019, and he just decided that year he did not screw with me. And you know what I was asking about on one of those questions? What's that? Some left-handed booger eater named Doug Nikhazy who gave them some nice relief. Well,
0: that, and then you asked, he got pissed off because Houston Roth had a bad game, and he got unlucky as shit, and I tried to give him an out. Is what I did. If yeah, I right. Brian was like, "You, you think the the ankle is still bothering?" Houston was like, "No, he's just bad."
1: Oh, that's yeah. exactly what it was. Mike, dang, Mike. Okay, yeah, like, I'm trying to help you here, man. Play the game. Um, <laughs> we're we're in
0: freaking Kentucky, bro. It's not our fault you got swept.
1: Yeah, man, it's March. Like, you got run by a team that has 2,000 people that lets them in for free and has a train running behind the field the entire time. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not here to gotcha, but, um, you know, evolution of Mike Bianco. Last couple of things before we wrap up there. You know, Mike Bianco and I had a renaissance recently.
0: That's, That's right. You, you, this? Said you, you had told me that you scheduled him for the, uh, dentist, cof- the dentist conference. So how would that go? Yes, yeah, so I work for a uh, private equity firm here in Oxford,
1: one of the companies that the uh, that firm That sounds of, like a big did. deal is a, uh, <laughs> in name only, um, I'm just a, I'm just a middleman getting shit done over here. So we have a, oh, the, uh, <laughs> I can't even get this out in straight face. So the, the, one of the companies we own is a dental practice. It's called Life Dental Group. Uh, Mike Huggins there in Oxford, kind of uh, our, uh, I would say head dentist, great guy, great business. But we, uh, the company owns non-dental practices across the Southeast. We have a conference every year in Oxford because that's where the company was founded. It's kind of where the flagship office is. Mm-hmm. And they bring everyone in and you kind of talk about, you know, the future of the company the next year. And for dentists, you also have to get kind of continuing education and credentialing. So it actually right. gives them time to come in and get whatever certification that I was never smart enough to do, that type of stuff. So they wanted a guest speaker. Um, and they had a couple of guest speakers in the year past. I come into the company and my boss was like, could you get Mike Bianco to come speak? I no, like, I can't actually. I was like, God damn it. I guess I'll try. I mean, I, I'm <laughs> not in any position to say no at this point. So he's like, don't you know him? And I was like, well, no. well, well, let's go through the proper channels of communication. I don't want to commit any violations. In the back of my mind, was like, I don't want to text Mike Bianco myself. I'd like to go through Kyle Campbell. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so he doesn't know never what's know going on. So anyway, we book him and he shows up. And I, this is in all, on a more serious note, I, I will say,
0: Mike is an incredible uh, public speaker. And yeah, one of the things I'll
1: always admire about the guy is, you know, he does all that for free. Yeah,
0: no, he, yeah. Uh, Mike, Mike spoke at a uh, baseball conference that I was at a couple of weeks ago.
1: Incredible. So to the guy's credit and the program he's built. And the last thing I want to get to is the environment aspect. which get you into a second? But he, he, when he took over the job, he started speaking at pretty much anywhere that would let him speak and he didn't yes. charge a dime. And he decided, you know, Hey, this is how I'm going to market my program. I need to get butts in the seats. I need to figure this out. And 20 years later, he's won a national title and he still does the same thing. I, uh, to Mike's credit, I will, uh, we booked him. He showed up. He was happy as hell to be there. He didn't know much about the company other than like some booklets we gave him. He asked me a couple questions before, cause I had to go get him from the parking lot before I brought him into the conference room. And he asked me a couple of questions about the company. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, here we go. It's 2019 all over again. But really, what he was doing, he started writing down notes. It was like, okay, you have yeah. how many practices, blah, blah, blah. is writing it down. And he shows up in a sports coat and a button down and just delivers an absolute banger of a speech about motivation and about leadership. And went on for 20 minutes, took photos after and talk to everyone you could possibly talk to in that place that wanted to talk to him and just went about his day. And that's just kind of his service to the community. And uh, as much as I like to joke about Mike, that's a very principled human being who does stuff that not a lot of other people would do.
0: Mike's a good human being. Um, Yes. Did, did, did Mike remember you? So
1: that's the best part about this. So I told this story with Chase Saturday, but I don't care. I'll repeat it. It's funny. So the week before the conference, I actually got engaged recently Right. Um, yes.
0: I forgot to congratulate you on air. I just did that in, in person and told you so. Like a normal person. I appreciate yes.
1: that. But so I am going to Hot Springs that weekend is the week for the conference to get engaged. And Mike's uh, ops guy, Godoris, great dude. Yes. The speaker. I have zero complaints. I would say he's not the uh, most disciplined on email response. Uh, <laughs> And we don't have any sort of – because Mike doesn't charge anything, we don't have any sort of written contract. So, of course, my ass is on the line. I'm worried, like, holy shit, is this guy actually going to show up? And in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, he's not actually going to like ghost me. That would just – like, that would be a bad deal. But, like, I didn't have anything, so my boss was like, hey, you need to go follow up on that. And he doesn't really know what I have going on later in the day. So my last stop on the way to Heart Springs, Arkansas, was by the baseball office on Friday afternoon as I'm in a rush to try to beat my now fiancé to the spot to do it. I have to go stop by the baseball office. So I stopped by and I'm trying to find Godoris and no one's at the front desk. There's usually a receptionist there. So I'm waiting. I was like, "I right, receptionist will come by. I'll talk to Godoris. Guess who walks his happy ass out of the uh, office to the front door? Mike oh. Bianco in a suit and tie or excuse me, in a jacket and tie. And he kind of looks at me and gives me this look like, Hey man, how many years we've we been doing this? The press conference is upstairs. It was media day that day. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's actually not why I'm here. <laughs> I'm not a reporter anymore. I'm here to book you for a conference. <laughs> so then he was like, oh, "Oh yeah, next Friday," and that's when the light bulb went off. I was like, "All right, this guy knows it's on the docket. We're good to go." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm just making sure I didn't need anything." He's like, "No, no, I think we're good. I appreciate you stopping by." And I was like, "Good to see you." He's like, "Good to see you too." And I was like, "Wow, that was the nicest thing he said to me in three years." Then he tells that story at the beginning of his speech, and he was like, "I didn't know it wasn't the reporter Brian Rippey. I didn't know it was the marketing guy coming in." And I'm sitting there thinking, "Well, I haven't shown up at the ballpark in three and a half years. Like maybe." <laughs> have victim on a hit, but he was uh, like, "I appreciate what you do, and I didn't mean to be rude." And I was like, "This is the most pleasant interaction we've had in three years. What are you talking about being rude? I, I had a great time talking to you." Guy, this
0: this this guy yelled at me five years ago. <laughs> so anyway, to make a long story, I, uh, short, uh, he, speaking, he was terrific. Speaking of uh, the Bianco family. I play we uh our, our baseball team plays Little Bianco next week, which we talked up. about a lot. He's
1: doing a great job down there. Yeah, down he's down there. doing an
0: awesome job. Uh, they have a prospect there, don't they? They have two, and I think one of them is going to be on the mound against the Choctaw County Chargers uh, Thursday or Friday. So that'll be fun. We'll get to we'll get to. I tell you what, I'll be able to give you a scouting report on uh, future Ole Miss commit, uh, or excuse me, future Ole Miss Rebel Hudson Maddox um, come next Friday. So um, no, Michael, uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if you call him Michael or Beasy, but uh, he's he's doing a great job at Kirk. So we'll see them next week. Love that guy. Good dude.
1: Good baseball mind. I agree, and uh, oh, I yeah. think that pipeline to get that kid actually to not Miss is strong. I'd say the the funneling between the <laughs> things, and probably show up. Yeah. Um. All right. Last couple of things. We bounced around and we done this preview. I don't want to keep you till nine o'clock at night here as we sit here on a whatever. Weekend. I don't
0: have school tomorrow. It's fine. What? Oh, you out of school? Yeah. They. Uh, I don't know if you if you your big weather app guy, but uh, they they the, the weather's coming. So they're like, hey, no school tomorrow. Just going. We have on. more Just bad, bad weather.
1: seventy five degrees today.
0: Oh yeah, that's gonna be that's the problem. It's gonna be 48 on Friday, Brian. So guess what's coming in between? What a bummer! <laughs> what a bummer! So no golf, no golf tomorrow, buddy.
1: What? He- <laughs> that's actually what I was worried about. I was like, damn, I was hoping we could get a tee time here on Saturday. <laughs> what? Ah, uh, as we wrap up here. Is there anything you're looking for this weekend? What are you most in, or, uh, intrigued by this weekend? You can go any direction you want. What are you curious to find about, out about the Ole Miss Rebels this weekend?
0: Um, Sonia is, is definitely number one. That's and my number one, rolls. too. I want to see what – I think I know what the bullpen rolls are going to look like. I think Jack Doherty's going to be the closer, but here's what I want to see. Um, who besides Mason Nichols comes out of that bullpen, right? Because you don't have a lot of dudes with returning experience besides Mason Nichols and Jack Gordy. they're going to need more. Point than two dudes real to quick,
1: just it. because of Maddox's injury and because of uh, yeah. Mallets.
0: Yes, yeah. There's there's just not a lot of experience back there. So I want to. I think it's indicative who comes out of the bullpen first. Now I will tell you what Mike usually does on Friday if almost has a lead is the guy that's going to start on Tuesday comes in because they're on pretty strict pitch counts this first weekend. Whoever's going to start on Tuesday usually comes in on Friday out of the bullpen first and throws a throws a two innings and then starts on Tuesday. So that'll be indicative, you know, who they who they would expect to be in the midweek. I'm Not exactly sure who I think will fill that role. But I I past that, I'm interested to see what bullpen arms and where he thinks guys fit right now. That's
1: a great point. Who's your best guess on Tuesday? Um, that Tukeyan kid? I'm going to be interested to see yeah, how you say his name. Think yeah. oh, I think that's where I'm going. Kind of in the
0: mix? Yeah. I think Quinn's going to be in the bullpen. I
1: was going to say, that's um, the other one. That would be
0: the other candidate to start on Tuesday, don't you think? Yeah, I think, I think I'm think i going to go. You're, you're going to have to say his name. I don't even know where to start. But and We can call him Tukey, we can get that nickname rolling. Or just call him Tukey, like, you know, NBA, Tukey. I love that. Uh, that would be yeah. sick. You might be honest yeah. on him there. Uh, yeah maybe i like, maybe get a patent i don't know copyright that's probably copyright i should probably know that um but no i think that's uh i think that's think that's where i uh, think that's where i'm at i think he's going to be the midweek guy um and i and i'm interested to see like a braden jones or a mitch morell who i think they expect to contribute this year i'll be honest um i'm interested to see where those guys fit in i'm
1: with you and you know in years past we talked about like uh, non-conference, like you might not know a lot about this team until you get to conference play. I feel like we say that to some variation every year. There are little things you can figure out when they play teams that are not good in the non-conference schedule. Like, for example, remember in 18 when Crazy came in with like a seven-run lead and then he started just bumping 95? And it's yeah. like, hey, what's, what's up with this guy? What's what's going on here? Um, You know, in, in a certain degree, Nikhazy, uh in relief and a couple of Tuesday starts, you can kind of see the signs there. You can see signs of like, hey, who might come fill some bullpen roles or who might become an actual kind of, I would say, contributing member in whatever role that might be because you don't know what's happening with the rotation on this team. You can tell stuff like that no matter the opponent. And that's I feel like that's the kind of stuff you find in these early
0: uh, non-conference series. Certainly. Uh, Yeah, that's a really good point. You know what you can't find signs of right now, though? Hitting? life within the almost basketball program um they lost goodness. by 15 tonight i think is is uh yeah is giving up 59 from the field and 59 from three good or is that great
1: well that's Here, not good issue. if you even if you had a good
0: offense the problem is they I don't here's my issue um i was told this team at least play defense and and they don't they don't play defense at all I mean, in,
1: in fairness to their point, they're very disciplined and they play hard. But because they go such long offensive stretches without generating any sort of offense, every error gets magnified. You know what I mean? They can play good defense for four or five possessions in a row. We're like, hey, this is a pretty good defensive team. But do you know how de- like draining and honestly, in a way, like I don't want to say like degrading, but like, my God, why are we doing this over and over again when you have four good defensive trips and you've netted
0: zero points on offense? That wears on people mentally. I, I, I get it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But 59 percent from the field and from three. Yeah, it's not Ooh. great. And and, and Ole Miss was up. I don't know if you said this on air. Or if we were talking before, Ole Miss was up right before halftime, um, and then they were not. They were not up anymore. So um, I don't know. I, that 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 feels. I you know I don't have any insight, but that feels over.
1: Oh, it definitely is. It's just a matter of who they hire, and I'm very fascinated to see how that plays out. Last thing for like uh, Chris Chris
0: Beard's charges got dropped. But anyways, go ahead.
1: No, 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 I, we can do, we can hit the little Chris Beard top. Yeah, it's, it's, that's going to become a, uh, you know, there's probably a column to be written. I might try to needle it myself, but this off season for Ole Miss, when they do ultimately make a coaching change, don't you think that's going to become a battle for what you want, what you are as a program? Because I talked to Weldon about this earlier for a pod that are drop on Friday. It's like, you have two guys that damage goods. That's Will Wade. That's Chris Beard. Two guys that you think might probably would accept your job. I don't really have a ton of insight into the Beard aspect. I have a little bit of an educated opinion on whether Will Wade would take the gig, but we'll see how his, you know, NCAA committee on infractions thing. And they're two very different types of baggage, right? Chris Beard, legal issue, domestic violence. It's a very serious thing. Um, versus Will Wade just cheating like everyone did. He just got caught on FBI wiretap. But that's going to be the fascinating thing about this basketball program is like, they don't have an identity. So what do you want to be? Are you going to be desperate enough to just win at all costs and hire... Whoever, whether it's Wade, whether it's Beard, are you going to go with the upcoming mid-major and just try to find a diamond in the rough there? You know what I mean? That's going to be a very fascinating hire in terms of the identity and the soul of the basketball program.
0: Just just an opinion. I don't think Ole Miss can win at basketball just hiring the guy from College of Charleston or FAU and be like, hey, go do your best. I I don't think that's the path to success for Ole Miss. Um, my rationale for that is it currently is not working. So um and it's like a lottery card.
1: That that's the thing where you're not betting on anything other than hey, this guy's had right. success at a smaller level, maybe it'll work here. It could or it couldn't type of thing. You know what I mean? Whereas if you get the damaged goods that's a more known commodity, you at least know what you're getting going in, if that makes sense.
0: So um I'll present it like this. If you hire one of the damaged goods guys that you mentioned, what's the worst thing that could happen? And don't tell me about NCAA probation because that doesn't exist anymore. That's That's gone. So what's the worst thing that could happen? It's just a short-term PR
1: hit. And I don't want to play, like, the morality thing with the beard thing. I talked about this as well earlier about how, sure. like, look, you look at that police report and it's I, – again, I don't want to make a case of, like, look, this guy didn't do anything wrong. That's not the case I'm trying to make. But something seems amiss with the beard thing where – the police report states that he choked her for five seconds. Then she called the cops and he immediately left the house. And I don't mean this is like, oh, it's not that big a deal. But like something seems amiss there because they immediately fired him. Like that more speaks to me is like, that's, what kind of that's dude is this guy? I'm, you know what I mean? That's but where who, I'm
0: concerned.
1: Is who they, is this they guy actually him. if they just fired him without any question? Because they fired him 12 hours after the, the woman who I believe is his girlfriend, I want not say fully recanted, but kind of gave the whole deal. It could have been self-defense. She eventually had the charges pushed to be so- dropped. Again, I'm not justifying anything Chris Beard did. Put your hands on a woman—that's a very, very bad thing. But that speaks to me more about
0: like what kind of dude is this?
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, that's I mean, my. What do you again?
0: Is this? Is there more to this? Because explain to me why Texas fired him? Um, because when I think of Texas, I don't think of um, the moral bastion. You know, the bastion of morality. Um, so yeah, I would like to know why Texas fired him. But but my point that I was making is like if you hire, you know. Chris Beard or Will Wright or Rick Fatino. I'm just throwing out names at this point. Um, what's the worst thing to do? Suck? I mean, the program's as bad as it can be right now. Like it, it can it get worse? And I mean that genuinely. Nobody goes to games. They're two in like 10 now in the SEC. Can it actually get worse than this right now? Because I'm not sure it can. You know what they need? And this kind of
1: mirrors the 2019 Lane Kiffenhaier. They need a splash. And I talked to Keith Carter about this for two hours one time for a story that ultimately was not published for I would say some uh Varying myriad of reasons while well, I was at Super Talk, but I talked to him in his office for about two and a half hours one day about like how he hired Lane Kiffin that they needed a splash. Doesn't this feel similar? They need a splash, they need an injection of life. And Dusty May, um, Pat well, the the cat Pat Kelsey, the cat at uh Charleston Charleston. Uh, Charleston, like not a bad coach. I'm not saying that, but is that sure. gonna move the needle? Doesn't this feel like they need a needle moving higher?
0: I think getting the guy that played look. The guy that played in a national championship game would certainly get butts in seats. Now, I get it. I get the domestic violence aspect of this. Um, I Look, I'm just speaking on would this sell the program? Yes. The guy that is taking a team to the Final Four. And did he take Virginia to overtime in the national championship game at Texas Tech? Do yes, he did. Right? He was
1: in overtime and kind of a weird foul call away from probably winning a national title.
0: Yeah. And went to the um, Elite Eight the next year, by the way. And now my question becomes, frankly, um, I don't think Ole Miss is gonna be the only team trying to hire him. So
1: um but that also kind of plays into it. It's like, hey, like, you know, if you're talking about like, hey, stay away, you can't hit your wagons, this guy. Well, someone's gonna hire him. Why not you? Exactly.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Um man, you're look, this is it's maybe a sad reality, um, but the job of the athletics director is to hire people to win games. That's, that's what like, I get a kick out of when people talk about, you know, graduation rates and all this stuff and being great, you know, in the community. Yes, that's great. And that's, that's great that you do that. And, and I would encourage any coach that, that does the job to make kids better kids. But at the end of the day in college athletics, let I me mean, clarify that in college athletics, there are two results that matter and they are W and they are L and that's it. Like, Nobody's going to care about anything else. So if you're winning, it doesn't matter what they did. And if you're losing, it doesn't matter how many kids you graduated or how many people you saved from a fire. It doesn't. So um, It's the same thing on
1: coaching at any (laughs) level. At your high school, if – you had a football coach that won two state titles and probably wasn't a great dude. And maybe there was some sketchy shit going on on the side. That's probably tolerated. Whereas if he had all that going on on the side and he went four and nine every season, that guess who's probably getting fired.
0: Hey, did that possibly happen to a football coach? Maybe at almost four. I can't recall. Um, I don't know. it seems like there was a football coach one time that won a lot of games. I think that. Yeah. It seems like he won a lot of games and then he didn't win a lot of games. And all of a sudden people started getting phone records. I don't know. It's crazy. Um, yeah, no, but that's that's it's W L. So um I don't care. Like and I guess the thing the thing is, you know, if you hire somebody that, you know, sucks, nobody's if you're Keith Carter and you hire somebody that sucks, nobody's gonna fire you because your basketball coach sucks. You know 100%. what I mean? Like like you hire a football coach and he sucks. Well, guess what, buddy? Uh you're put out your here, house pal. On, yeah. Put your households so, a little quite frankly, you'd have a more uh it'd be more dangerous to hire a baseball coach that sucked at Ole Miss. So hundred percent yeah like you know so just whatever go hire the dude and if it works out great if it doesn't fire him go get the next guy
1: last last thing before i let you get out of here because i don't do enough i hate doing like the self-promotion thing but hey i don't do enough of it in terms of like promoting content on the site i wrote a story earlier this week on uh swayzeville the students yes. camping out in uh left field um to get uh, tickets, or excuse me, not tickets, seats for the season out in right field, and I'll tell the, uh, I'll just give the full kind of uh, uh, behind the scenes of how this happened. It's nothing fancy. I texted you about this either directly before, or directly after it happened. You texted I, during uh, it happened. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly what it was. Uh, I, uh, I saw these people. I saw the kind of the photos and stuff of people camping out, and I was like, oh, this is very interesting. And honestly. You know, whatever people think of like a, the amount of like how interested Ole Miss is in college baseball and all that, having people camp out for your games, no matter—I don't care if you're doing equestrian, yeah. riflery, for God's sake—if people are willing to camp out to get seats for your product, um, you got a good thing going, and it's a testament to Mike Bianco, it's a testament to the program he's built. But I just was like, you know what? I'm off work on a Thursday. I didn't have a podcast to do. I was about to go pick up dinner on that side of town. Anyway, I was like, I'm just going to wander out there, (laughs) see what happens. (laughs) I'm just going to wander into this tent city and just see what I can find. Maybe it's a total waste. Maybe I'll drink a couple free beers and there's nothing I can get from this. But we're just going to see what happens here. So I get out there and it turned into just an awesome experience. I found kind of the guys that were I got very lucky in terms of actually like a cohesive story of finding the guys that were actually like first. Um, And the kid that was actually like the first one down there had a good story and it made for a good story and all that. But man, you talk about an absolute zoo of people, largely out-of-state students as Ole Miss is kind of in-state, out-of-state demographics keep shifting toward out-of-state that didn't previously know a ton about Ole Miss baseball, just being completely crazed with the sport. It's remarkable to see. And I was reminded that of that again last Thursday night. It it really is crazy. I talked to uh, 15 kids minimum who were freshmen and had never been to a game, and they'd been out there since Wednesday night being like, yeah, I guess this is what we got to do. Isn't that wild to you?
0: That's crazy. I bet it stunk.
1: It actually was not that bad because, you know (laughs) what, Mike Bianco, stand-up guy, had a cleaning crew come out there each day. Did he? Wow, okay. They had people come clean up each day. Now, I don't know if that was directly Mike Bianco, but they had people come out and say uh, clean up the shrapnel uh, after each night. OK,
0: well, I just I just worried about these these young men and, and I assume women um, maybe not showering um, for a few days. So, so they work, so in how ships. Does this work. Oh, OK. OK, because I was wondering about class and stuff, because I don't feel like you. you. Well, I guess you could. Um, But I just, well, I just wondered how class
1: worked with this. I didn't want to get anyone in trouble. So a lot of these people work in ships. So they have 20 dudes. They have pretty much four or five guys there at all time to kind of perver- preserve their spot. Then they tag each other in and out. Now, as far as the class goes, I didn't want to get anyone in trouble, but I didn't uh, I didn't include in the story. I would say I had a uh, strong mix of... No, I'm still going to class, then coming back toward... Hadn't been to class in a week. Don't care. <laughs> I will let the people decide which way that was tilted in and which way you think that was tilted in. Don't care. <laughs> it was very funny to me, though, because I walked in there. I had i talked to, I just finally, I was like, uh, look, I look young and I probably could pass for a college student for a high school student for that matter, for just my, uh, uh, I would say height and physical appearance. But I walked out there in a star sweatshirt and sweats. I'm by myself. So I'm clearly not one of them. So I stuck out, even though I don't look older. So I was like, all right, how am I going to do this? So I walked in and the, I sat down at the first table directly, like right as you walk in and these poor schmucks had only gotten there on Thursday night. So I was like, you know, what are you guys doing here? Blah, blah, blah. Like, what's going on? And they're like, dude, we just we saw everyone here and we didn't want to not get a spot. We don't even know we're going to get a spot. We're clearly late to the party. This sucks. I can't believe like, these people got here so early. Well, wh- <laughs> so, well once they moved them to, to left field, though, it kind of feels like it messed the order up, did it not? So that was another piece of it, right? So they the, that kid goes and stands in line at uh, 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. There's construction going on out in right field, and so they're yes, like, hey, the batter's eye, the zone. We can't right take now. the liability. We need to move yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, they first told him, they're like, hey, you need to go home. And the kid was like, I'm not going home. So they told him to go home, and he moved to left field. So they <laughs> camped out in the left field parking lot on Tuesday night because this kid was just like, I'm not going home. And by that time, the word spread like wildfire. So I would say you have about 200 kids camping out on Tuesday night in left field. Then more people come. And it starts screwing up the band area and stuff like that. So they moved them into left field into what became their permanent tent city. So they had color coded wristbands. It also took one representative of each group's student ID. And that's how they marked the order. And from everything I've heard from texting people after the fact, it actually became a pretty orderly system. So there actually was not as much chaos as you would think about the order. Oh. So I think a few people cut in line when they moved from the parking lot to the left field. But overall,
0: it actually sounded like a pretty honorable process. That's that's nice. So are we talking about that these people are, are we putting up tents? Or are they just trying to get their chairs in the right spot? Like, like, how does how, what, what are we doing out there? You know, forgive me for not having read it. It is. It has been a crazy week for me.
1: Oh, that's OK. I, I just dropped this on you. I didn't expect you to have read this. It's one of the more poignant lines I think I had in that story that was probably kind of a throwaway line is I said it. Uh, underestimate the inventive nature of college students at your own risk. And buddy, was that on display in this? (laughs) I'm not talking about just camping tents, dude. I'm serious. So the first group I talked to, the ground zero group that got there first, they rented tents from the rec center. Apparently you can rent (laughs) the rec center at 10 bucks a night. Now I asked them what the fine was for a damaged or unreturned tent. And they just kind of shrugged their shoulders. Like we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But you had people that brought out tents from, like, Academy Sports and stuff that slept seven to eight people comfortably. Like, full-fledged Mount Everest-style camping tents to be
0: out there. Well, I I was kind of talking, like, are are we – I'm talking about taking to right field. Were they taking tents to right field or – No, no, no. The tents were just to claim their spot in line. Okay. Okay. So, what are we – we're just putting chairs in right field?
1: Just chairs in right field. So, basically, the way it worked, the, the, the kids that knew what they were doing, they'd have chairs for their spot. They'd have, if they were lucky, a grove style tent to, you know, cover the chairs that they had and right. they'd sit under it all day. But uh sleeping tent, they would bring in reinforcements like your full on wow. camping style tent. One of the kids in that Ground Zero group I talked to had a TV and an Xbox in his tent. And he had, of... he had jumped the fence to the electrical area behind the batter's eye and started unplugging some stuff and then rigged up his own extension cord to fuel his Xbox and his TV. Whoa, oh, it rained, my man. Oh, like, I'm about it, to get there. So this is the best part. So I was like, hey, man, were you supposed to be doing that? And he just kind of shrugged his shoulders like you're not going to tell anyone, are you? And I was like, well, maybe if few." know. Um, <laughs> so it rains on Wednesday night and on Wednesday at about 9 p.m. when the storm was kind of rolling in and it had rained on and off about 7 p.m. You had a hard stretch of rain for about an hour and it didn't really deter anyone. Someone apparently became over the Swayze loudspeakers and said, hey, I'm just warning you guys. There is a storm coming in. And while we are not required to tell you all to leave. And again, I, I talked to one of the students who claimed that they weren't required to leave because that's technically not campus property. It's Oxford
0: city yeah. property the weird the, the rules are weird out there
1: well i think that's how they finego the beer thing in there yeah it is but this presumably future pre-law student told me that they were not required to leave unless there was a tornado warning declared
0: I, my so, man had done his research
1: so, yeah my man my man was prepared so they get on the loudspeaker and they're like hey there's a storm coming we can't tell y'all to leave but just telling you it's coming like you might want to leave and not only did no one leave, the, apparently one of the loudest speakers out there started cranking Freebird from Leonard Skinner, and people just lost their mind and just galvanized them. I talked to multiple students. I talked to one student who had his tent flood in. He finally fled for kind of more stable ground. Presumably what he meant was his house. And I was like, well, how did y'all preserve y'all's spot? And he goes, oh, we had a guy. The tent blew off of our Grove-style tent that covered our chairs. We had a guy stick it out in the rain. Like overnight with no with no covering he just got wet stuck it out overnight to preserve his spot and i was like does that guy deserve some kind of medal of freedom and guy was like yeah i think so he's pretty loyal i was like yeah no (laughs) shit man
0: i am a loser because there's no way i'd have done that i'd be like hey they let you i don't know if y'all know this you can sit in the grandstands in the open seats and it's fine there's no way I, i i am a loser i would not have survived in that
1: they were at the poker table playing Texas holdem there was a gas station hot dog style machine churning out hot dogs in the back
0: yeah yeah that that, that, that had never found me there god bless those kids i'm i'm glad they're I'm, I'm glad they're there but i am not tough enough to do that there are uh, certainly some tough kids that uh that went through that I, I i bet some livers were thankful that uh they got those tents set up on friday night and um probably went home and maybe like actually had some sleep friday night
1: this new generation just doesn't care. Uh, I learned what a Borg was. Do you know what a Borg is? I, I don't. So I tried, I was trying to talk to a couple of different tents. I was making my way toward the ground zero tent. I got warned by those poor kids who relate to the party. They were like, be careful walking down there. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And the guy was like, well, you're probably fine. You don't have a chair, but if you walk down with the chair and it looks like you're cutting in line, they're going to throw beer bottles at you and boo you until you leave. And I was like, oh, okay. So I wandered down there. I get to one of the tents that's closest to kind of the first tent and there's two kids sipping this orange juice looking thing out of a gallon milk carton. And I was like, what is that? I knew it wasn't orange juice. I'm not that big of an arc. And I was like, you know, back in when I was in school, they called that whoop juice or hunch punch. And The guy was like, this is Borg, man. And I was like, well, what's a Borg? Uh, It is called a blackout uh, rage gallon. And these kids okay. drink liquor and juices in a gallon thing. And the idea is to drink it um, until, you know, you're not on planet
0: earth anymore. So it's got a did board. You tell them, did, did you tell them that you were closer to uh 40 than you were, t- you know, 18. And they were like, yeah, actually I probably, I, I, you probably shouldn't do this.
1: I was trying to get hit with the youth, man. I I, I, <laughs> I took a sip of it. I left that place half drunk. I was like, shit, do I actually need to drive home here? They were very generous with their beers. I took a couple of sips of the board. There was another kid that didn't make the story that was in a, uh, I would say a state of comatose with a Borg spilling in his lap. It looked like he'd had a couple borks before that, that was uh, asleep in his chair with it just spilling all over him. And they were just like, yeah, this is what this kid does. I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> this is what this kid does. He probably needs to be in our emergency room. It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And to put an actual bow on it and a serious note was, I met a lot of kids that were not from the state of Mississippi that knew very little about college baseball, the Ground Zero group had a great story because that kid wasn't in fraternity. He actually played baseball up in the Northeast, um, where baseball wasn't a big deal. He came down to Ole Miss not knowing college baseball is a big thing. And now he's just in heaven and he doesn't miss a game. And that's kind of he, how he and his friend group bond. And it is kind of wild to think about that, like, you have all these kids from, Illinois, St. Louis, New Jersey, wherever, who didn't really know much about Ole Miss baseball, and this is kind of now their thing. Like Mike has really created an environment where people go yeah. bond and socialize, which is wild no, to think about. But I was reminded about it on Thursday night for sure.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like the Grove, right? Um, where you just—it's it it's, absolutely it's, like that. Yes, it's become more of a, an experience rather than than a game, right? um and and mike's done a wonderful job of, of marketing that and and almost has as well um uh, but it but almost it, baseball is you know for me it's a game right um and and, and for you it's a game uh, but when we talk about these kids and maybe people just coming in and, and things like that it's an experience and i think those are two totally different things um so you know it's it, neil said this a lot on his podcast when talking about baseball he's like you know stop go around and stop time on a saturday afternoon in april and go to left field and ask people what the score is and like 35% of them or excuse me 65% of them probably aren't going to know you know it's 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 an experience that um frankly and, and i don't mean to rag on basketball Ole Miss basketball has has struggled to create um 100%. For a plethora of different reasons, um, but but almost baseball has done a wonderful job of, of of creating that experience that people want to be involved, and in. obviously the winning helps. There's no doubt, but in reality, almost sucked for a lot of last year, and people still went to baseball games. So, um, winning's not really all that matters to 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 you know attendance at Swayze Field. It was remarkable.
1: That's well said. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I'm probably not doing it again, I'd say, but it was a said, fun.
0: Do do we spell this B-O-R-G board? that is B-O-R-G and you can Google it. Oh, okay. I learn a lot of new words teaching ninth graders every day. Um these um, kids speak you know, a different language than us, do you man. You know what? Do you know what cat means?
1: Yes, be only because uh MC my fiance works with middle school kids. So cat means that you're lying, right?
0: Yes, yes. Um, cap, and if they say no cap, that means they're not lying.
1: That means you're a real straight shooter.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're a person that doesn't cap, you're not a liar. I learned uh, the word riz means the ability to uh, talk to members of the opposite sex. Um, and, okay. and It's it's what we used to refer to as spitting game. Um, that is now what we refer to as riz. So, um, learned that today. Um, I learned a lot of things from ninth graders. It's actually more like I get paid for them to teach me things rather than me teaching them English.
1: I'll throw one last thing at you to close out because uh, I don't know if this is a Texas thing. As the word "chugi" made its way into the uh, "chugi," I have heard I have heard that word. I
0: I can't define it. That's um, how they I make
1: fun be- of us. I had to learn what this means. Chugi oh, means like what millennials
0: would do. It's not cool anymore. Okay, that's probably why they, they probably do call me a chugi.
1: I was about okay. to say, though, if you do something, it's chewy. I think it's an adjective. I'm not positive. But if they're oh, saying chewy in your direction, you're, you're you're being a millennial, which I guess that means you're doing your job. But that means you're not cool in their eyes or what you're doing or wearing is not cool.
0: There's like a no percent chance we're not going to uh, write a persuasive essay on if I'm if I act chewy or not on Friday. That is absolutely going to get put into the lesson plans come Friday. So, um this podcast uh shaping shaping young minds at Choctaw County High School.
1: A beautiful ending. This has been the choogiest podcast of all time, but I enjoyed the shit out of it. He is Colin Brister, my man. I appreciate the time as always. And we'll uh we'll catch up with you again after the weekend. We're back in all business right. again, back in the saddle. Sounds good, man. All right, that was Colin Brister. Hope you enjoyed our uh, very scatterbrained college baseball preview. We'll be back with Colin on Sunday. Got Weldon Rodenberg coming down the pipe for you guys for a Friday podcast as we hopefully, after a chaotic couple weeks, get back to a little bit normal, uh, more normal of a podcast schedule, I would say. So thanks for listening as always. Colin and I will be back on Sunday with some weekend reaction, and uh, then we'll catch you with Weldon on Friday in the meantime.